the good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Sustain. Nutrition. Chewing. The. Fat. Podcast. I realise I've not done a mic check here, so if I sound rubbish, then I apologise, but Joe will definitely sound rubbish if you're not wearing a mic. Joe, what we're talking about, give me some alliteration. Mindset mastery. Bosh. Short, sharp one today, but mindset's always going to be the biggest factor, the biggest struggle, but also to the biggest breakthrough for a lot of people, because ultimately, it's your mindset, it's your thoughts, it's your behaviours. That impact your choices and, well, I was going to say the way you act, but that would definitely come under the behaviours <laughs> category. And it works both ways, doesn't it? Because the way that you think influences the way that you act or pretty much decides the way you act, but also the way you act determines or influences the way you think. If you are mm. underslept, underfed, working too hard, taking too much on, not communicating, doing all these things, that can move the needle either way, then odds on it's going to be harder for you. The example I've been using with my clients recently is when I was, when I ran Leeds Marathon a couple of weeks back, the first mile, had my book on, super cheerful, able to listen to every word. And once I got to the past halfway, I was like, I don't think I can listen to this anymore because I just can't concentrate because my mind is feeding me so much information because I'm getting tired. And the last mile, I couldn't even have music on because the incessant noise, because of, what my body was physically going through, I found really hard to manage. And we were talking about this before the call is that the more you put yourself into these difficult to manage states, the stronger your mindset gets. And ultimately a lot of people use food to get away from that difficulty, to get away from those hard thoughts. Now, whether that is stress at work, upset with somebody, grief, whatever it may be that you're struggling to deal with, people use food. And this is a skill that that you can practice, you can get stronger and stronger at and will only benefit you by making you more resilient and open up your, what's known as window of tolerance, you know, the amount that you can deal with. Who doesn't want to be able to deal with more and to, to be able to feel better under their current stress level? It's a, it's a, affects every area of your life. So it'll affect your food, but then it'll also bleed out into your relationships with other people, your ability to work, your ability to do the things that keep you alive for longer, like exercise. So that's why we see it as such an important thing. But that change has got to come from some awareness. And, you know, want to say it's understandable that people use things like food and, and alcohol as a coping mechanism because that's all they know. And I think, I think I know in my experience, like a lot of people get frustrated with themselves, can't understand why they're comfy or emotionally or, you know, well, it's all, it's all under the umbrella of emotionally, isn't it? You know, eating due to stress or, these outside influences, like that's just your go-to, that's your shortcut, that's your brain going, I'm in discomfort, I don't like this. What gets? What makes me feel good? And it's not thinking, how am I going to feel tomorrow? It's not thinking about how am I going to feel next week? It's like, I want to change my state right now. What makes me feel good? 
dairy milk, go. So having that awareness of why we're doing these things and being able to slow down and pause is a skill that you have to learn. I just don't want people beating themselves up going, I don't understand why I can't do this because you've never done it and you're not aware of it or you're not aware of how to change that. And society doesn't really teach people about this either, does it? People are seen as just being robots. This idea of calories in, calories out, fat loss is simple. You've just got to work harder. So therefore, if you are of a self-critical position, like a lot of our female clients are, then that's that's another habit that you've got. That's another process that you just fall into. So therefore, when you do eat high-calorie food, because you've given in, because you've been unable to manage what's going on, then the blame is turned on yourself. And it's it's just not helpful. You know, it's I, it's when people will look at these things as as points of pride, you know, and it's it's just misplaced. So their whole identity is based around their ability to withstand pain. You're on shaky ground with things like this. And it's there's a there's a whole untapped world, I think, to these things. And when you get into it, it's it becomes a lot less simple, but then you start to see different perspectives. And actually, this is something that it's not just the way you are. You aren't somebody who is weak-willed. You're just currently more weak-willed around food than you'd like to be. So they're very different things. One of those is a closed door that you can do nothing about, a fixed mindset. The other one's a growth mindset that shows that you're looking for opportunity and ways to improve. And you have to be that if you want to get better longer term. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, the... the what we were discussing before we started recording, it wasn't like that's what we wanted to talk about. Like, what can you control? How can you make this easier? In fact, it's one of our four pillars is the setup to success, which what I'm trying to explain it to people. Like, this is how we can proactively keep you in a good place to make it as likely as possible that you make good choices. And that could be through self-care. That could be through, you know, looking at your environment, whether that's home, whether that's at work, you know, in your car, social support, relationships with others, you know, there's all these factors, the things that we can control that are going to make it more easier that we don't have to rely on, you know, massive amounts of willpower or motivation to make decisions that are in line with the person that we want to be, not even necessarily the goals, like what person do you want to be? How do you want to act in that situation? As opposed to, you know, no one wants to, I don't know, suffer from road rage not suffer apply road rage you know what i mean like so how do you want to act in that situation well i'll be super calm and just realize that this person's made a mistake and maybe they've got something else going on the day it's like how do you want to react to that what person do you want to become and how what can we physically do hope that's one of those trigger words for me when people are like hopefully i hope no don't hope what action can we take to make that happen so yeah, a big bit of sustain, a huge part of sustain is like, what can we control in this situation? Because there's things that are out of our control. And if we waste energy focusing on those, then you fall into that kind of, not necessarily a victim mentality, but that fixed mindset. All this stuff's happening to me. Whereas that growth mindset, which is so important to change and to becoming better, is, okay, this is happening, but what can I do? And James has mentioned all the, the physical things that you can do there, all the things, the ways that you can reduce the number of circulating thoughts you've got. Obviously, one of our pillars being called sustained nutrition is focusing on the food side of things. And the more that people eat, the fewer of these thoughts you're going to have. And a huge amount of the people that we work with 
have thoughts about food because they've under-eaten nutritious food. And so there's loads of things that you can go out and do physically to help you be more resilient. All the things that James already said. There's also things that you can do mentally to build that mental resilience, which is what I was talking about before with the marathon, is if you just do things that are within your mental comfort zone, you're not pushing yourself, you're not challenging yourself, you're not making yourself or facilitating that resilience. Whereas if you put yourself into stressful positions, if you make it harder for you to think clearly, you'll then have that skill when you need it. And that's the example of the, the marathon running. You know, if I just went out and ran a mile, a few times a week, then I would never be able to push myself mentally. Whereas by pushing the, the distances that I run, and you could do this in any way. I was saying to James before about how I try to do this in meditation is normally I would just sit, I'd lie on my bed and do deep breathing. And it's really easy to focus on your breath when you're just lying on a comfy mattress. Whereas if you're trying to do it cross-legged for any period of time and you're not particularly mobile, like I'm not, then you have more of these thoughts about, oh, it's so uncomfy, my legs are sore, I, I want to shift around, I want to scratch my chin or whatever it may be and that's when you're leaning into that discomfort that's when you're you're growing that resilience muscle so you know not that the resilience muscle exists but it's it's through these pushes into discomfort that you're able to get more and ultimately life's always going to be uncomfortable and there's, there's so many people who struggle with ultimately really mundane everything's relative isn't it but the more resilient you get the more you're able to keep things in perspective and actually, if you, so my dad, for example, used to work quite a stressful job and now he's retired. Now he gets stressed by much smaller things. Stress doesn't go away. It just moves around. And if you can learn to, to manage this, if you can learn to find ways to navigate that mental discomfort, then that's the true solution. Changing the way that you are, not trying to change the outside world to, to fit this perfect scenario of Cox. It's just not going to happen. If you have that, weaker mindset or that mindset is less resilient you'll continue to find problems and that's why i'd always recommend working on the physical things like james said but also the mental things too trying to to cover this as many bases possible to really move that needle looking at the the mindset stuff i had a bit of a revelation yesterday actually joe quite, quite happy to share is how we frame these things whether we frame them positively, whether we frame them negatively, like, you know, I'm a bit of a, uh, well, no, I'm not a bit of a, I'm a fan of the words that we use. Uh, you know, the the one that I always pull up people is like resistance. I resisted this. Did you resist it? Did you choose not to have it? Totally different feeling for me, even just saying it. I resisted eating the cake at the office. I chose not to eat the cake at the office. One's so much more positive than the other one. So as you may or may not be aware, I pay for someone to do my training, my, my programming for my training. Because if not, I just do all the stuff that I like. I'd be more likely to sack off workouts when I couldn't be bothered. But because I'm paying someone, I want to do them. I don't want to do them. I do them because I want to get my money to <laughs> So anyway, it was programmed in. Joe will know exactly what I'm going to say, pretty much. I had to do eight sets of pull-ups. <laughs> I'm not a massive fan of pull-ups. Guess why I'm not a fan of pull-ups, Joe? Because I'm dog shit at them. So I avoid them like running. So when I went and I thought, oh, pull-ups. And I literally said this, I had this conversation in my head and I went, pull-ups, oh, my nemesis. Which instantly frames it as a massive negative thing. Like, this is going to be horrible. I'm going to hate this. This is, you know, literally my nemesis. And I thought, well, that's interesting. This is a conversation I have in my own mind. 
So that's interesting that I'm framing it. Is that like, why don't I frame it as, ah, pull-ups, my next challenge. And all of a sudden, it's a completely different feeling, right? This is something that I want to conquer. This is my next challenge. You know, the word nemesis versus the word challenge is a completely different feeling. And, and you might even find yourself pulling your kids up when they say, like, I can't do this. You might say, well, you can't do it yet. Again, it's the same outcome. I can't do this, but I can't do it yet. It's just a more positive spin on that. So even, you know, reframing how we talk about things can make it easier. Because now, not yet. Now I'm really good at pull-ups. No, I'm not. I'm just as bad as I was yesterday. But it's just a different way of like, oh, God, oh, pull-ups. You know, you see this quite famously in people that are like, don't say, I've got to go to work. Say, I get to go to work. Don't say, I've got to exercise. Say, I get to exercise. It puts a positive spin on these things. And again, these seemingly insignificant changes in language can have a, a massive impact on how you feel about these things. Again, it's a privilege. I've spoken about this before. Like, I find exercise a privilege. Some people would love to be able to do pull-ups really badly. But they can't because maybe they've got missing limbs or they can't actually get out of bed or whatever, you know, and it's just they, these reframes the and this awareness you know makes things easier to do when you're like oh shit i'm doing this to honor my body i'm doing this because i get to do it not i have to do it it's also not true is it you don't have to do anything people say all the time i have to go to work i have to look after my kids there are a lot of people who don't do either, either of those things this is a choice that you are making and you yes you're in a habit of doing it and yes you feel morally obliged to but you are still choosing to do it and if you don't do it, what happens off the back of it? If you don't go to work, if you don't look after your kids, oh, well, in that case, I've not got a choice. No, you still do. You can still choose to opt out of that system. You can choose to drop down to whatever level that that leads you to. And if, if that's the right thing for you to do, and it's just makes the world of difference. It makes it so much more empowering. I remember our old mentor, Nigel, said it to me once. I was talking about struggling running my own business. And he said something like, you don't have to do this, you know. But yeah, absolutely dead on. There's so many other jobs I can do, so many other things. It's amazing how much of this stuff is just ingrained within us. Me and Chrissy have been setting up a little side business at the moment. I had a, an interesting insight, actually. And one of the things, because I've been investing quite a bit of money, not a monumental amount of money, but a sizable enough amount, I really found it difficult. It's not something that comes naturally to me. I remembered once when I was a kid asking for some money for a school trip, something like 15 quid. And I remember my dad yelling at me, and getting really annoyed because that's what he was like. You know, he wasn't a bad human being, but very short-tempered at times. And that, to some level, is ingrained in me because spending money leads to this almost like visceral reaction. And, I, and I've had these thoughts, you know, I've been mulling this over quite a bit, that that's not true, though, because there's lots of people who spend huge amounts of money and don't worry, or run up these massive debts, and they're not stressed. So low money, lack of money, is not inherently stressful. Even spending money is not inherently stressful. It's just my reaction. And as soon as I catch myself and go, this is just my story that I've I've taken on. You know, I didn't decide this when I was 10 years old. It's just been, you know, it's just been adopted by my brain. And so then I, as soon as I recognize that, I can let it go and I can calm myself down. That makes things loads easier. And I think that very often you see this with food and oh, I need, I've got, I can only stomach bread when I'm ill. Have you tried other nutritious foods? You know, what is it? That, why? Explain that to me. And suddenly these things that people hold on to as if they're 
this certain fact just crumble to pieces because they've never been challenged. And, you know, what is it? We have 60,000 thoughts a day. So a huge number of those, you know, you know that would take a year for you to analyze all of them. It's just not possible. And so you, you can just grow and learn constantly. And I think often when people start a sustain and there's this idea that, right, I'm going to start, I'm going to lose weight. And so often it takes, you know, often people do lose weight quite quickly, but a not insignificant number of people will flutter and struggle in the first few weeks they'll they'll have two good days and then three really high calorie days because they just haven't quite got into the, the groove of things yet and these habits and patterns are just so ingrained just it's if the more you can enjoy this process and look at it as a chance to learn and grow the easier it's going to be and a lot of people treat fat loss a bit like how i treat money that it's life and death and if you have a week where you've gained a pound then it's a massive catastrophe that's just the lesson that you've picked up it's not true, and you can let that go. And if it, as soon as you start to recognize this, you can let it go. I think, yeah, good questions always to ask, isn't it? Like, what's the rush? Mm. What is the rush? Now, the amount of conversations I have with people, they're like, you know, slow and steady wins a race. I had this conversation with a lady the other day who'd lost a store and a half. Slow and steady wins a race since February it was. So that's interesting. It's like, what would you say to your best friend? If she said, oh, I've lost a store and a half since February, you'd be like, well, oh, it's interesting. Why, why are you losing weight so slowly? It's like, I wouldn't, I'd just congratulate them and say, well done and keep going. It's like, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That, you know, we'll be our own worst critics, but that can be, you know, although that she was taking that as a positive, you know, that can derail a lot of people. You know, how many people do we speak to go like, I was making progress, but it was really slow, so I quit. Like, say again, you know, is that whole, you know, not overused, but, you know, comparison is a thief of joy. And with fat loss, people compare themselves to someone who's completely different to them. Like, well, I'm not losing at the same rate as them. Okay, cool. You know, when people are like, oh, I, I lose weight really slowly. In comparison to who? To what? To someone who's a completely different person? But does that make any sense? And, and again, so what you'd like to be losing it? Everyone loses weight slower than they want to. Of course they do. That's how it works. Yeah, it's it's not fair. It's not, you know, there's no hard and fast rules. It's not just like X equals Y plus Z. I don't know what I said there. Um, yeah, so again, it's, it's so much of the, this is mindset, like as we said right at the start, isn't it? It's, it's a, a complicated piece of the puzzle, massive piece of the puzzle, but awareness is, is the key thing. So what would you recommend, Joe, for people to become more aware? I know we've dabbled in some CBT. Yeah, I think you're trying to find what works best for you. Because I know that I'm quite aware of what my thoughts are. So therefore, it's easier for me to do it. I've spoken before about it when I got CBT and I bought a book and I basically just then sat off the session and used the book because I was finding it so manageable. But I had a history of being a coach there. And so that made it loads more accessible for me. I think writing down your thoughts is probably the first place to start because it's easy you can do it on your own you can just do it on your phone and delete it or scrap that bit of paper there's something about expressing what's going on in your mind in some form if you find that you're more verbal and you've got someone who's really good to talk to whether it be a partner or a friend or a relative then maybe try and talk it through with them you know, if you've got a coach and talk it through with them that'd be even better than you doing it on your own because very often people say these things they say them out loud and they kind of stop and you go it just doesn't make any sense or conversely, a bit like with me with the money thing, you say it and you go, oh, yeah, I didn't realize I was doing that. Now I see it that actually 
that makes me feel like this. That doesn't make any sense. And you can, then you can let it go. Then it becomes a lot easier to let go. And it's that change in perspective, like you did with that lady who said, would you say that to a friend? You're then able to see your thoughts from a different angle and go, actually, no, that doesn't, that doesn't line up with how I want this to go. And so I think anything that works for you in that sense, whether that be journaling or talking, I think that I'm sure there are other ways. I'm sure you could discuss your food habits through the medium of dance, but it'd probably be easier to just to just talk and write them down. That'd be my that'd be my first start point. Or even just becoming more aware of your thoughts in your head, just stopping and listening. I think a lot of people um, never do that. Just spend their whole lives just this constant babble of thought and there's never a chance to pause and to stop and to figure out what's going on just reacting but i think for me the important bit would be getting those thoughts out of your head i know i've spoken about this on the podcast before like it feels like you can justify the thoughts that you have like yep that's right no that's 100 that is correct yeah i'm right here but like you said when you've written it down or particularly when you've spoken it out loud I would just speak that out loud, but when you've said it out loud, there we go, that's better. Then you go like, oh, that's absolute bollocks. You know, like the, the whole thing with the, the money and stuff, you know, with you, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. So the lady I spoke to like, yeah, I'd never say that to my friend. I'd never class that as slow weight loss. I said, congratulate But it's just too easy to listen to that internal chat and go, this is right. It's sometimes like you, you go like, that is ridiculous. So yeah, writing down those thoughts and asking right is this really true if i do do this is this you know if i eat this flake am i a failure am i weak or i just made a mistake it's you know it's a, it's a powerful tool and everything we do is like can we slow down the decision making so we're not being reactionary and then we're going to have more power we've got more ability to change that then but you know being kind to yourself and expecting to mess up it's tightening that screw isn't it and it's a thousand turns i think that very often when it comes to mindset stuff people are looking for that silver bullet a bit like that one habit that if i just start going to the gym i'll start feeling better whereas with your mind you know you go to the gym what five times a week at a push if you've got sixty thousand thoughts a day it's a much smaller effort anyone could, if i say think about a pink elephant now it's very easy to imagine that with thought process and managing the way that you think that's something that you've got to do tens of thousands of times when you're tired and you're stressed and you've had a bad day or whatever it may be that becomes harder because there are more prevalent thoughts so it's just a skill to practice it's just something that has to be done you know settling for the for the long-term haul here because i know that we do six-week challenges and six-month plans it's just going to take longer than that because there's, there's some things you know mentioned before that my dad stopped drinking overnight one thing changed in his life. He got ill and he had a massive change in how he acted. But that's just one part of your life. You know, you might suddenly feel really ill or have one day where you feel really tired, you start going to the gym, you feel better. But that's not going to be enough to change everything in your life because there's still, there's so many factors around fat loss and lifestyle management. I've been thinking about this quite a bit recently with habit change and this idea that, well, if I just, you know, if I stack my habits, if I do some stretching every time I brush my teeth and it'd be easier for me to do. And that's great. 10 minutes of stretching a day is going to make a big difference. 
But think about how many different foods there are that you like and how many different excuses and situations there are around exercise. You know, sometimes you're at home, sometimes you're moving house, sometimes there's more people at your house. Maybe you just had a child, maybe you've changed job. There's a million different circumstances here, literally. You cannot have a habit process for all of those. And so to be truly successful is to really, you know, change your life. You have to keep looking for those areas. It's not going to be a, you know, tick three boxes and you're done. You have to just keep looking for all those different and have that attitude of just finding solutions because the tables are going to keep shifting. You're going to keep having that rug pulled from underneath you. And so having that attitude is, is so key. I think we've given people some food for thought there. Not much of a short podcast like we thought it was going to be. Do you know, we do like to talk, Joe, don't we? Do you like the sound of my own voice? <laughs> I don't. The <laughs> biggest, I think, takeaway for me is like, how can you slow down your decision-making? And how can you question the thoughts you have and whether they're true or whether they're bullshit? Are they serving you? Is there another way that you can approach this? I think would be my key takeaways. Anything to add to that, Joe? No, mate. Just It just gets it's somebody who has historically run away with their thoughts quite a lot and is on the flip side of this. You know, whilst I've never been overweight for long periods of time, I've definitely struggled with my thoughts for long periods of time. And I think that when I was at the start of this journey, I, probably, I had no idea how good my life could be. And I really want people to engage with this side of the process because it will have the biggest impact on your whole life, you know, outside of losing weight. If you can nail this stuff as well, it really can change the game and, and change your life and change your family's life too. Imagine if you became that person that you wanted to be who was calm and patient and polite and empathetic and communicated well and explained their needs and allowed other people to vent and talk when they needed to were still the person they wanted to be. You know, I've, I've made steps and I still feel like I've got a long way to go, but it's made a massive difference to my That's made more difference than being lean or being bigger ever could. And it, and it helps those things too. It helps you to be more disciplined with your food and your training. And that's what we want to do to help give to other people is to change your life as much as possible. I, don't, I, would, I wouldn't even say necessarily nailing it. Like, don't feel you have to nail it. You just have to improve where we're at right now. You can improve by a couple of percent. You're going to be in a better position. It's going to be easier to improve by a couple of percentage again. What's the rush? Right. Well, I look forward to you know those improvements and you as a person showing through at work. So I, might, I might bring them to work at some point. I'm not sure. <laughs> right. Thanks as always for listening. Take care. Come here.